But you have the notes. I hope you took the time to read the notes. We're nearing the end of this series on major messages from the minor prophets. Tonight, we want to focus on the prophet Haggai. So I invite you to turn to Haggai. And we want to focus on the second chapter of Haggai. And we're going to look at ninth, uh, 11 verses, the 10th through the 19th verse. Haggai, as I have said every time we have done these, that uh, we, we are not really doing an exegesis of each of these prophetic books. We'd, we'd have to spend literally months, nearly a year, to cover every chapter of every one of the minor prophets. Uh, what we have tried to do is lift up significant themes that are found within each book that give us a, a proper understanding of what is taking place in the book and then try to draw from those themes pragmatic and practical helps for us as we go through our lives. Now, the, 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 the point of, of studying uh, these books has little to do with the theology of it. It has to do with the practicality of it. Old Testament theology is very different from New Testament theology. I know some people like the Old Testament. In fact, they, they just love to spend time in the Old Testament. When we quote scripture, we love to quote from the Old Testament. Old Testament is much larger than the New Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New. But there is a vast difference in theology between Old Testament or ancient Hebrew scripture and New Testament. Post-Pentecost, post the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the inauguration and empowerment of the church, theology changed. Uh, I, I know we like to read in Hebrews, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that's true. But, but the fact that Jesus is the same does not mean that the theology is the same, because it is not. Uh, the theology of the Old Testament deals more with nationalism. You, you, you see God as the God of a people. From the time that God calls Abraham out of his uh, father, Terah's house, and sets him forth, the whole plan has to do with the development of a nation. He tells Abraham, uh, uh, leave your father's house, take your wife, your family, your household, leave your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. What's the very next thing he says? And from your seed, I will make a great nation. And through that nation, all other nations on earth will be blessed. So the, the theology of, of the Old Testament, and this is very broad strokes, the theology of the Old Testament is primarily a national theology. It, it's about a godly people that helps to bring other ungodly people into the saving knowledge or the acknowledgement that uh, Israel's God, or later Judah's God, is God. Most of the known world at that time was polytheistic, uh, but that was the whole point. In the New Testament, our theology has less to do with nationhood 
and more to do with our individual walk with Christ. The church is not, I know we call it the new Israel, but the church is not intended to replace Israel as a nation. The church is, is intended to be a collection of believers who through their belief and through their commitment to Christ lead others to him not just for the purposes of acknowledging who he is, but of submitting to him as their Lord. So we're not looking at these Old Testament books and these Old Testament prophets in order to gain uh, high theological insight. If, if you want to go and, 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 and sit in an exegesis class, New Orleans Seminary offers plenty of them, and you will enjoy those. The point here is to see what practical things we can draw from these stories, from these experiences, from these prophets that can help us. So the question that Haggai seeks to answer, and it's a very brief book, only two chapters in length. The question that Haggai seeks to answer is not theological, it's practical. And the question is this, I'm gonna do y'all like I did the noon day class. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say, if anybody has to get up and leave, y'all can go when I get through this, because this is it. Everything else I say, hi, darling, how are you? Everything I say after this is, is just going to be to expand on what I'm about to say. The question is this, what do you want in life? What do you want in life? What what is it that will give you contentment? That, that's the question that Haggai asks, and Haggai provides not Haggai's answer, but God's answer. And God's answer is, what you ought to want in life is my blessing. Not wealth, not power, not fame, not long life, my blessing. Because if you have my blessing, you have everything that you need. In spite of the situation that's going on around you, in spite of the hardships that you are dealing with. If you have my blessing, you can make it. That's a powerful message for us today. Because when you look around at what is going on in our world, what you see are variations of chaos all around. I was watching the news just before I came out here, and uh, they were talking about a young man who was shot and killed just five blocks away on the corner of South 18th and Louisiana uh, Avenue yesterday. Five blocks away, shot and killed. Chaos. Then they were talking about the the sheriff's deputy who shot and killed somebody in the back seat of the car up in Clinton, and, and he's back at work. The investigation is still going on. 
but he's back at work. Chaos. What we, that's right, chaos. I'm, you got it. That's what's going on in our world. Now, now, now that, that's just two segments on the local news. Do you read the newspaper? And, and I ask that not, not as a rhetorical question, because not everybody these days reads the newspaper. I, I still get the newspaper. I, I, don't, I can get it on my phone. I can get it on my iPad. I still like the paper. I still walk out in the morning and pick up my hard copy of the newspaper. And, and with my cup of coffee around 5 o'clock in the morning, I read the newspaper. And by 5.15, I'm depressed. I'm upset. I'm angry. In some cases, I'm heartbroken. Because of the chaos that is going on all around us. And it seems to never stop. And so... In this swirling mess of chaos that is constantly going on in our lives, we want relief from the chaos. But we don't know where the relief comes from. And so we find ourselves looking for, seeking things that we think will give us relief. But they don't. The question... What do you want in life? Somebody's going to say, I want to hit the lottery because I'm, I'm stopping by the convenience store on my way home. It's, it's $188 million tonight. And, 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 and you know, uh, after taxes, I still get a pretty good chunk of change. If I get that money, then I'm going to be all right. And yet, there are billionaires, people who have money they don't know what to do with, and they're miserable. Somebody say, well, let me find out how miserable. <laughs> I, I, I understand that sentiment. I, I, I totally get that sentiment. But, but there ought to be enough evidence in life that money does not provide satisfaction. It simply does. Money can't help you if a doctor says we've done all we can do. Can't, can't help you. Money can't keep a marriage together. And in fact, money sometimes drives the marriage apart. Money can't be the, 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 the sole means by which you derive happiness. Well, well I mean, there, there, there are usually three big things that, that, that we think will give us happiness. Money is one. Power is the next one. We, we, we want a certain degree of power. We, we spend our lives. We build our careers. We, we build our lives around things that we think will give us power, prestige, position within our own circles. We, we all want We want titles. We, we want to be able to, to put letters behind our name. Fred Jeff Smith ain't enough. I got to have Fred Jeff Smith, comma, MDiv behind 
my name. I'm sorry. Fred Jeff Smith, comma, BS, comma, MDiv. As if that's going to somehow make me somebody other than who I am. We, we, we think that by adding touch, I, 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 I served as this person or as that person or as the other person. None of that makes you anything. Because in a minute, they're going to forget you ever anything. If they ever get it right in the first place. What was he again? What did he do? They don't know. But, but we think that, that, that gaining a certain degree of power, gaining a certain degree of prestige, gaining a certain degree of influence will satisfy us. But there ought to be enough life experience, except for these children right up front, to let you know that you can get all kinds of, of worldly gain, all kinds of worldly influence. It doesn't change anything. In fact, quite often, people think great of you out in the street. And your name is mud in your own house, within your own family. They don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Well, it's not money. It, it, it's not prestige. What's the other thing that we want? We want to just have pleasure. We want to do things that make us feel good. I don't like not feeling good. One of the things you, you super holy folks say sometimes is, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I, 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 I don't want to feel no stress in my life. I'm letting go of all of the stress in my life. Let me clue you in on something. If you ain't got no stress, you ain't doing nothing. There's a difference between living and existing. Folks that just exist ain't got no stress because they ain't doing nothing and ain't nobody doing nothing to them, with them, for them, or about them. So, 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 so if you want to be too blessed to be stressed, and I know what you say, what you mean by that. You mean I put it all in the Lord's hands. You know you're lying when you say that. But, but, but okay. If, 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 if that's your goal, just to have a good time. Here's the thing about having a good time. I have discovered the things that let you feel good for one minute stop satisfying after a while. Go back to when I was a kid and, 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 and when Christmas time was coming and, and Santa Claus was bringing my gifts and Santa Claus was bringing my gifts. Don't y'all say a word. And Santa Claus was bringing my gifts. You'd start in October, counting the days, till Santa Claus was going to bring you the thing that you have wanted. And you can't wait for Christmas morning to show up so that Santa Claus will have dropped off the thing that you wanted. And you bug your parents and get them up at 5 a.m. to go into the the, the living room where the Christmas tree was to find out if Santa Claus gave you your gift. And lo and behold, the gift is there. And you are so happy, you don't know what to do. And it lasts for about an hour. One, 
Once the new wears off, you're looking for something. You already started thinking about, now next year, I want this. People, people who, people who on Friday are looking to get drunk. I've been working all week. I just got paid. I'm going to get drunk tonight. Really? That's, that's where your pleasure is going to come from? I'm going to get with so-and-so tonight. That's where your pleasure is coming from. And when you wake up the next morning and you don't know your name because your head hurts so bad, and you don't know where you are because you went into somebody's house that wasn't yours, amen. And after all of that, the novelty just wears off. Pleasure can't be what, what, what it is that you're looking for. Doesn't work. The answer to the question, God's answer to the question, what do you want in life is, I want God's blessing. If I, if I am able to live under the blessing, under the umbrella of God's blessing, God's blessing is enough to meet my need. Look at Haggai chapter 2, starting with verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, again, this was in the second year of Darius, God's message came to Haggai. God of the angel armies speaks. Consult the priests for a ruling. If someone carries a piece of sacred meat in his pocket, meat that is set apart for sacrifice on the altar, and the pocket touches a loaf of bread, a dish of stew, a bottle of wine or oil, or any other food. Will these foods be made holy by such contact? The priest said, no. Then Haggai said, how about someone who is contaminated by touching a corpse? If that person touches one of the, these foods, will it be contaminated? The priest said, yes, it will be contaminated. Then Haggai said, so this people is contaminated. Their nation is contaminated. Everything they do is contaminated. Whatever they do for me is contaminated. God says so. Think back. Before you set out to lay the first foundation stones for the rebuilding of my temple, how did it go with you? Isn't it true that your foot-dragging, half-hearted efforts at rebuilding the temple of God were reflected in a sluggish halfway return on your crops, half the grain you were used to getting, half the wine? I hit you with drought and blight and hail. Everything you were doing got hit, but it didn't seem to phase you. You continued to ignore me, God's decree. Now, think ahead from this same date this 24th day of the ninth month. Think ahead from when the temple rebuilding was launched. Has anything in your fields, vine, fig tree, pomegranate, olive tree, failed to flourish? From now on, you can count on a blessing. 
Now, the point here is God is emphasizing the necessity of rebuilding the temple. Haggai writes at a time when the people had come back out of, uh, uh, not Babylonian, but Medo-Persian bondage, because the Babylonians initially took Judah away into exile, and then the Babylonians were overrun by the Medo-Persian empire, and it was uh, uh, the Medo-Persians that decided to allow uh, some of the people to go back to Jerusalem and began rebuilding uh, the temple and rebuilding the city. But the people went back, and instead of focusing on rebuilding the temple, they focused only on themselves. They focused on rebuilding their homes. They focused on reestablishing their lives. And they forgot about God's temple. And, and, and because they forgot about God's temple, God says through the prophet Haggai that you have missed your blessing because you have not made me first. Now, what, what you have to, again, Old Testament theology, New Testament theology are two entirely different things. In the Old Testament, the rebuilding of the temple was essential to the commitment to God because the temple was the place where God said, my spirit will abide. You go back and, and, and read after Solomon built the temple and, and they had a dedication ceremony for the rebuilding of the temple. The scripture says that God himself came down at night and, and appeared to Solomon and spoke to him and said, I will dwell in this place. Y'all love to quote 2 Chronicles 7:14. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, blah, 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 blah. But, but, but the, the point of that is he says that as part of a larger statement, which is I have decided to make my dwelling in this temple. I am the Lord your God, and it is in this temple that you will come to worship me. It is in this temple that you will come and offer sacrifices. It is in this temple that you will come and show me that I am first in your life. You will bring the first fruits of your livestock and you bring the first fruits of your crops. You will bring everything to worship me in this temple. So the temple became the visible manifestation of the headship of God in the life of his people. Yes. And when God asked Solomon what he wanted to do, Solomon had no standard to say he wanted his blessing. Solomon said, I want wisdom. Yeah. I, I want wisdom so that I can rightly lead your people. And, and, and that was an important uh, uh, thing for him to request. But the point here is over time, the people forgot about God's temple. Over time, the people divided. Under Solomon, Israel was one nation. The, 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 the nation underwent civil war, became two nations. The, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel was carried away 150 years before the southern kingdom of Judah was carried away by the Assyrian Empire. In, in, in later years, the Babylonians carried away the Judeans. But when they were allowed to come back, the expectation was that the people would come back with an understanding that in order to prosper in the land, not material prosperity, 
but spiritual prosperity. God had to be first. But people got back. They gave a half-hearted effort at rebuilding the temple. They ran into some difficulty. They realized we didn't have enough stuff. We don't have enough material. We don't have enough expertise. And there are people out there who don't want to see the temple rebuilt. So guess what? We're going to just leave the temple alone. And we're going to go do something else. We're going to plant our own crops. And we're going to build our own houses. And we're going to make our own business. And we're going to establish our own economy. But we're going to do so absent God. If you don't see the relevance of that in the year of our Lord, 2019. I don't know how to make it more plain to you. Anybody see the paper Saturday? I, I, I just asked y'all, do y'all read the newspaper? Did, did anybody see Saturday's paper? The, the, the eat, pray, live section? Ain't much to the advocate. I want them to hear that. Ain't much to the advocate. But every now and then, they, they, they have a good article. And, and, and if you still have Saturday's paper, you can go back and look it up on the internet. It's talk, it talks about the fact that America is reaching historic lows at church attendance. Historic lows. People are finding other things to do, other places to go, other ways to live that do not include the worship of God in a corporate manner. Now, most people still say, I believe in God. But they don't want to be a part of a church. They don't want to be a part of a, a, of a fellowship of believers. And they feel like it's okay. I can worship God by myself. <sighs> Two things I need to say about that. Number one, yes, you can worship God by yourself but you can't worship him as well as you can when you worship him with others. Do not forsake the assembling of the saints of God together. Them folk messy. Them folk getting your business all the time. Name something that you are part of. That includes somebody other than you, where the folk ain't messy, where the folk don't get in your business. Not a reasonable answer. Not a reasonable answer. Them preachers don't want nothing but your money. They don't care nothing about you. All they want Here's your money. You didn't have to amen that so fast, Brother Bruce. But, 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 but that, 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 that's the prevailing thing. That they, that's all them preachers want is your money. Well, a couple things about that. In most churches, and I ain't talking about Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes and, and them folks. In most churches, most churches struggle from Sunday to Sunday just to meet its obligations. And, 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 and in Western society, in a capitalistic society, the church needs money just to operate. You sitting in here at 7 o'clock, it was 95 degrees outside today. I'm sorry, I, I exaggerated. It was 90 degrees, one, one degree short of a record. I saw that on the news today, too. 91 is the record. It was 90. 
today. If we didn't have air on in here, you know what? It'd be 90 degrees in here right now. And I want to see how well y'all would just sit here in 90 degree heat. You, you, you wouldn't do it. Money is necessary in order for the church to function. And it's funny how we don't mind, some of us, if you ain't a part of this group, then I ain't talking to you. But some of us don't mind giving money to every other group in the world. But we don't want to give money to the church. Jack and Jill is one of the most expensive things in the world. One of the most expensive things in the world. And parents fight to get their children into Jack and Jill so that they can have the privilege of breaking their bank accounts in order to stay there. But when the church asks you to give a dime out of every dollar, them greedy church folk, all they want is my money. You can come up with any excuse that you want to. But in the, in the year of our Lord, 2019, church attendance is at an all-time low. And our nation looks like church attendance is at an all-time low. The, 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 the racial strife that exists within this nation, uh, the, the, the economic disparities that exist within this nation. Let me tell you something. We need to stop using the word equality. That's not what we want. We don't want equality. We want equity. There's a difference between equality and equity. Let me give you a quick example. I ain't gonna get through all this. Let me give you a quick example of what I mean by the difference between equality and equity. Newt makes $150,000 a year. If I'm close, don't say nothing. Don't nod, don't play, don't do nothing. Newt makes $150,000 a year. I make $10,000 a year. In this city, in this parish, we recently passed a sales tax to improve roads. The sales tax was based upon an extra penny, I hope I have my information right, an extra penny that was added to the already ridiculously high sales tax that we have in this city parish. Now, both of us go and buy, they say it wasn't on food, both of us go and buy a TV, okay? because the sales tax wasn't on food or, or drugs or anything like that. So, so both of us go and buy a television set. Newt makes $150,000 a year, and they tack on one extra penny, 1% to his sales tax for that, 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 that TV. It ain't going to hurt Newt at all. I make $10,000 a year. They tack on every little penny and it makes a tremendous difference. In fact, it might make a difference as to whether or not I can even buy 
the TV. Now, conservatives out there will say, well, that's equal. Because conservatives were the ones who were fighting for sales tax. Remember, this, this, this tax, this roads tax, was tried by Mayor Holden. And it was tried by Mayor Broom the first time. But it was tried as a property tax and not a sales tax. And Republican conservative folk would not even let it get on the ballot as a property tax. But when the mayor said, well, I'll do it if it's a sales tax, I'll put it forth as a sales tax, they said, well, we'll let it go to the voters if it's a sales tax, because the sales tax is equal. That, 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 that's their thinking. It's equal. Property taxes are based upon, number one, whether or not you own property. Now, Newt, Newt makes $150,000 a year. Newt sells property for a living. So I know Newt got property. I make $10,000 a year. I ain't got nothing. You ever heard the phrase, ain't got a pot or a window? That's me with, with, with my $10,000 a year. So the powers that be say that it is equal for us to pay the same percentage in sales tax, but somehow or other it is unfair for the one who makes $150,000, who has more disposable income, who has more access than I do, to pay his fair share of taxes. Well, it's not fair that he only gets to pay, he, he, he doesn't get to pay anything at all. I ain't got nothing. How can I pay on nothing? I don't have it. So we need to stop using the term equality. We don't want equality. We want equity. We want those who have less to pay what they can proportionate to what they have. And we want those who have more to pay what they have according to what they have, which is more. That's why the tithe is infinitely better than dues. I'm looking at most people, what dues got to do with anything. But, but if you're of a certain age, you remember a time when the church was not financed by tithes or offerings, but by dues. And every person was expected to pay the same amount in dues. The dues for this church was X, the dues for that church was Y, and everybody had to pay that much into, you didn't keep your dues three months current, you better not die. You wasn't going to be buried out of that church. Rip, so-and-so died this morning. Check the book. See if he was three months current. And you think I'm lying. That's the way it worked. 
so-and-so called, they, 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 they want to use the annex for a, a function. Are they three months current? They ain't three months current, we. They had, they had monthly business meeting. And in the monthly business meeting, everybody, there, there was a table put right here in the middle of the, of, of the aisle. And the treasurer of the church would call everybody's name. And, and, and they would say, Terrell no net. And Terrell would either say, current, not ready. Not ready means he ain't got no money. He can't pay. Now, we all know that ain't true about Brother Nonet, but I'm just using that as an example. Dude's system said that everybody had to pay the same amount. The Bible ain't never talk about no dues. Bible talks about a tithe. And the tithe is everybody pays the same percentage. William Ferris worked at ExxonMobil, Dow Chemical, made $300,000 a year. He pays one thing based upon what he makes. I make, I'm, I'm still at $10,000. I ain't got a raise yet. I'm, sti I'm still at $10,000. But under the tithe system, my 10% is the same as Brother Ferris's 10% because you're not paying the same amount. You're paying the same percentage. Do you see that? So we need to stop talking about equality. That, that's, that's what the powers that be want you to talk about. Because their response to that is, in capitalism, uh, everyone has the same opportunity to succeed, and, and the cream rises to the top. And, and, and you just have to employ your rugged individualism in order to make your life a success. Truth of the matter is, there are, there, there are systems in place in order to see to it that some folk rise yeah. and other folk don't. So there is no such thing as equality. What you want is equity. That's, that's, that's what it is that we want from the systems that are in place. Equity. Haggai is saying on behalf of God, your problem is you didn't put me first. And because you didn't put me first, you suffered. He says, Compare and contrast. Look at what happened when you did put me first. All of a sudden, fields that couldn't yield nothing started yielding everything. You started having bumper crops. You know why? Because I allowed it to happen. Because you put me first. A couple other things about this. Haggai makes the point that's important, which is holiness is not contagious, but corruption is. I want you to hear that. Holiness 
is not contagious. But corruption is. Let me ask you something. If a person who is healthy comes into contact with a person who has a cold or the flu, the healthy person can't get rid of the sick person's flu, but the sick person can cause the healthy person to have the flu. You ever think about that? Put that in terms of, 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 of holiness and corruption. Holy folk, hanging around holy folk, don't make you holy. Hanging around moral folk, don't make you moral. Hanging around righteous folk, don't make you righteous. But if you hang around unholy folk, If you hang around unrighteous folk, if you hang around corrupt folk, your goodness can't make them good, but their corruption can make you corrupt. That's just the way that it works. That, that's the whole point of him, of him talking about the food that touches all of these other different foods. He's saying it, it doesn't do anything to them. It, it doesn't cause them to, to, to become uh, holy, does it? And he said, no, it doesn't. But corrupt things can cause good things to become corrupt. Why is that the case? Because when you hang around corruption long enough, it starts to not look to be so corrupt. Hang around junk long enough. It doesn't look so junky. If I'm about to offend somebody, forgive me for, for what I'm about to say to offend people. I've, I've used this example before. I lived nine years in New Orleans, okay? From 1983 to 1992, I lived in New Orleans. Three years in seminary, six years pastoring a church. New Orleans is a different place. It's only 80 miles down the road, but it's a different place from here. Here's the thing I discovered is that the longer I stayed there, the more the differences didn't seem to matter to me. After a while, I started thinking that some of this stuff wasn't so bad. When I left New Orleans, when, when, when I came back here in 1992 to start pastoring up in Scotlandville, uh, it, it, it was about a year, maybe two, before I had to drive back down into New Orleans. When I drove back down into the city, after being gone for, for, for two years, 
my eyes got this big at all the junk and all the filth houses on top of each other. Nobody paints nothing. Potholes in every, I'm sorry if I ain't y'all getting quiet. So somebody must be from New Orleans or you know somebody from New Orleans. But I ain't lying. And I live there so I got a right to say what I'm saying. What happened was when I got away from it and then went back to it, I realized that what didn't, what didn't look so bad on my way out looked terrible on my way back in. That's what happens. You hang around corrupt folk long enough. You hang around sinful folk long enough. You, you let sinful folk talk to you long enough. They'll start getting you to think that, that sinful stuff ain't, ain't, ain't really all that sinful. It's okay to cheat. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. It's okay to lie. Everybody does it. It's okay to steal. If they ain't noticed that it's gone, they didn't need it in the first place. It's all right. That's what happens. And it starts to change your thinking. Haggai said, y'all got away from the Medo-Persian Empire and y'all came home with one thing in mind, and that is rebuilding the temple. And then you got here, and you ran into a little trouble. And a little trouble was all that it took for you to drop your plans altogether and decide we're not going to worry about that. We're going to do something else. I wish that black people had the same love for the church today that our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents had. And I'm not naive. I know that times are very different. I know that one reason why our grandparents stayed in church all day is because they couldn't do nothing else. And they couldn't go nowhere else. Wasn't nothing, wasn't nothing else for them to do. So, so, so they, they didn't mind staying in church all day, all night. They didn't mind two-week revivals. Amen, hallelujah. Thank you for delivering us from that. They, 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 they didn't mind it because they didn't have no place else to go. But there was a commitment to the church. There was a commitment to the serving of God through the church, through our service to one another that we have lost and it has proven to be detrimental to us because we have put God in the background. And we have decided, like the people of Haggai's day, I'm going to build my own stuff. David, King David, sitting in his palace one day, looked over across the way and he saw the tabernacle 
which was the tent of meeting where, 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 where the sacrifices took place. And David said, how is it that I can live in luxury in a palace and God's house is a tent? How can I be content with that? Well, God didn't let David build the temple. He said there was too much blood on his hands. But his son Solomon built the temple because his son Solomon recognized the importance of putting God first. Let me ask you, how is it okay to send money all over God's creation? Just talked about Jack and Jill. Let me irritate you some more. Your frat your sorority. AKAs, I'm making her mad now, that's my wife, because she's an AKA. AKAs had a regional meeting on Easter Sunday morning. And this wasn't the first time they did it. I don't think it was the second time they did it. And many of your AKA sorors went to the regional meeting rather than come to the Lord's house to celebrate Christ's resurrection. And you gonna tell me that, that, that you got God? Well, we had, we had a worship experience there too. You had something else too, didn't you? It ain't had nothing to do with God. It has to do with priority. Quit saying, I'm going to serve the Lord when? When I get my, my business fixed, when, 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 when my children are grown, when, when all my problems are taken care of, when my money issues are over, I'm going to serve the Lord. Quit taking your children to play soccer on Sunday morning instead of bringing them to Sunday school. Oh good, I'm hitting, I'm hitting on folk now. Taking your children to play AAU basketball. Spending all that money on AAU basketball. But won't put no money in the Lord's house. And you, and you sitting up here talking about how much you love the Lord. Your priority is shown in, 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 in the choices that you make. And just because all your friends are doing it, just because all your colleagues are doing it, just because your siblings are doing it, just because big mama did it, just because big daddy did it, that don't make it right. It just means that you passed wrong on from one generation to the next. Anybody ever heard the phrase, a lie travels much faster than the truth? That's our problem. Haggai says that you have allowed yourselves to become corrupt and you've not thought anything of the corruption. 
But I've shown you what can happen when you put me first. I'm almost finished. I got six minutes. Somebody said, I wish he had a stomachache tonight, too, so we could have gotten home early. I'm almost finished. One last thing I, 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 need, I need you to see. And that is, Haggai says, God blessed you because you put the temple work back on the front burner. Which is the equivalent of saying, you put God back on the front burner. You made God first. Now, you need to understand this. And mature Christians really need to understand this. Putting God first is your responsibility. But don't think that putting God first means that all your problems going to be over. That's a fairy tale. That's a fantasy. That's a lie. And the truth ain't in it. Going back to my wife, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's what she likes to say. It's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> Immature people think if I put God first, all my bills are going to be paid. If I put God first, my children are going to act like they got good sense. If I put God first, my spouse and I are going to all of a sudden get along. If I put God first, my parents are going to treat me better than they have. If you've lived more than a minute, one of the things that life will teach you is that you can do everything right. Everything right. And still get a negative result. You can do everything right and still have the bottom God did not promise that if you put me first, I will remove all your problems. But you know what he did promise? If you put me first through whatever problem you got, I'll be with you. You know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, write a $29.95 seed check and send it to me in the mail. But he did say, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He did say, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you. Ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. So don't look for pie in the sky. Don't look for the split-level house. Don't look for all your problems to be solved just because you serve the Lord. That's not the blessing. The blessing is not all your problems are solved. The blessing is the companionship of God in your life. And God makes you better better than you could ever possibly be on your own. If you've gone through certain stages in your life, 
then what you've come to understand is that things that were important to you at one stage of your life become less important and even unimportant at other stages in your life. Things that you clamored for and worked for and connived for and cheated for in order to get, all of a sudden, they're no longer important. Because as you go through the various stages of your life, your priorities change. What, what you want, what you, what you need, what you think is important, it shifts. There's only one constant through every stage. There's only one constant. And that constant is the Lord. When your children, God is great and God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By thy hand must we be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. When you get older, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Get on a little bit older. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And at some point, I know ain't none of y'all going to admit y'all there yet. At some point, you're going to reach the stage where you're going to say this. I have been young. But now, I'm old. And I've seen many things. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed big bread. There might be somebody here tonight that haven't been a part of this Bible study, won't accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. We're going to stand together and sing a verse of Just As I Am, and if there's one, we invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Y'all have a good evening.